0: Right. Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. My wife Sherry's going to be joining us, and we're going to be continuing our Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. Not. We'll be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. And if you have a book, we'll be in chapter sixteen again tonight, which is entitled "God Has Given You Power." We'll talk about more about that in just a moment. And so, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at Lighthouse Discipleship. Dot org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we want to, excuse me, say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their ties and their offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, simply go to our website at Lighthouse And if you go to our give page, you can give from anywhere from all over the world. And if you want to write us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website, you can find our mailing address. If you're in the United States, just so, so you know, we are a 5 51 c 3 church, and so therefore all your contributions are tax-deductible. Okay, with that said, uh, we're going to be, uh, again, back in the, uh, the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack, and we'll be back in Chapter 16. We, start, we started this last week. Chapter 16 is entitled, God Has Given You Power. And we've been talking a lot about how God... But great power comes great responsibility, and we talked a lot in this book already identifying what authority is and what authority is not, and what you know. We talked recently in, in recent studies how does revival come, and 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 whatnot. and so you know, we've going back to revival just for a second. I don't want to go into all that study again, but it doesn't come because we pray for it. It comes because we start preaching the gospel. God's given us the power to preach the gospel. We start. God gives us the power to go to lay hands of the sick. And when we start using our authority, start using what we've been commissioned to go do, make disciples of all nations, revival will come. We find in the early church that God added daily those who are being saved. And what did the early church do? They were steadfast into the apostles' doctrine, to, to fellowship, to, to breaking the bread, and to prayer. Okay? So here we're going to pick it up again in chapter 16. We're under the heading Power to Get Well. And <laughs> right, so we we read we started with this last week, but I uh, uh, kind of mid, picking a mid thought and mid chapter. So I want to re-read this again this morning. I mean this evening. Excuse me. Depending on where you are, it might be morning. Uh, but at the same point in time, you know, we're going to read about this about power to get wealth. I uh, got some comments on that, but we'll we'll uh, I'll wait to my comments until after we re-read this uh, material. Sherry's going to narrate for us, and then uh, we'll we'll both comment on. On, on, the, on, on the book and on what Andrew's saying and on scripture. You have anything you want to share again?
1: And you know, for anyone catching us for the first time tonight and you're thinking, power to get wealth, you know, whoa, wait, where are you coming from? You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to share where, where Andrew gets his revelation and the scripture to go along with it, his teaching on it, as well as Dave said, we'll, we'll comment as well. But, you know, all of Andrew's teaching, all of our teaching is based on the Word of God. And if you have any questions you know, please, regarding the Bible study, please uh, reach out in the comment section and we'll, we'll get to the them as we can. But, you know, if I was just to go ahead and teach, just right off the bat, right on Believers Authority, what comes to mind is... The mandate that, that Jesus Christ himself gave his disciples and that includes you and I when he goes and when he tells us all to go out to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Uh, the same authority that he has as the son of God, he has given to us. And we talked last week uh, as well as throughout the Bible study where that, that authority came from. And we talked about how God ordained that in in the book of Genesis when he created mankind. He gave that authority to Adam and Eve, to all of mankind, how that was stolen away uh, by the deception of the enemy, and how Jesus Christ came not only to save us from our sins and to bring us into right relationship with God, but also to restore that uh, authority that he gave us. And... One of my many favorite scriptures that I would teach on for this would be in, in Ephesians chapter one, where it talks about all all about who we are in Christ, and that is a great place to jumpstart when you're thinking, you know, I, I don't understand this authority that as a believer we're supposed to have. Uh, this church has taught it this way, that pastor's taught it that way. Where well if you go by the word of god you understand it it is based on how god ordained creation in the first place and as children as believers of the gospel of jesus christ and him crucified god's own son god in the flesh we will understand as a child of the most high god the most high king king of kings lord of lords what that authority looks like, he even tells us that we are kings and priests. Uh, you know, as a king in the natural world, we understand a king has authority over his country. Uh, but God has ordained it specifically for believers. Uh, so it's it's uh, just a great study to dive into when you when you're struggling with. You know what what a child of God looks like who you are in Christ um, if Jesus says go out and heal the sick what does that look like uh, you know a cop has authority uh, you know driving down the street you know what does that look like as a believer a child of God uh, so we're gonna get back into this study I know we talked about last week about you know our responsibility—it's not where we sit back and just say, "Okay, God, you do it." God, in His Word, has told us what we are to do, and how we are to cooperate and have responsibility. Uh, so now we're going to get into power to get wealth and go by God's Word on on how that uh, pertains to the believer. Okay. Well,
0: let's read this section again: power to get wealth, and then we'll, we'll move from there.
1: In the area of provision, God has given us power to get wealth. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is to this day. Deuteronomy 8.18 Anytime God gives us power, he also gives us authority so we can release the power and use it. With this authority comes responsibility. This is why God doesn't give us money directly. The scripture doesn't say that God gives us money. He gave us power and anointing and ability to get wealth. First of all, God doesn't have money. He doesn't use money. In heaven, there is no currency of exchange. Neither does he make money. If you're praying, oh God, I need $100 or whatever currency is it is that you need, God doesn't have any of those bills, and he's not going to counterfeit them either. He's not going to make money and put it into your pocket. The Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Luke 6.38 Since God doesn't have money directly, he sends it to you through people. God impresses other people, and people will be involved in getting you is
0: supplied. There's a lot I can talk about this subject. This subject is very uh, well, dear to me in one sense, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because this topic, this study, is about believers' authority, not just about finances. We spent we talked a lot about a relationship with God in this, and in, in our, all of our studies, uh, we talked a lot about healing in a lot of our studies, and we bring up finances quite a bit too. But since we're talking about it a little bit, I will say a few nuggets. First of all, let me just say, sometime this year, I, I have it on the agenda, I'm going to be talking about financial stewardship on Sunday morning. And uh, by the time I get to it, it'll probably be about summertime before I actually get there. Because I have two or three different uh, teaching series on Sunday morning I'm going to be teaching. I'm going to be starting a new one this next Sunday called The Essence of Redemption. And then I want to talk about Our Great Salvation. Which also will include finances, and then I will also uh, then I want to talk about our covenant relationship with God, and i and then I want to go into financial stewardship. So sometimes this year, twenty twenty two, I plan on teaching about finances and uh, some in some detail on Sunday mornings. I don't know how deep I'll go, but that said, you know, there's a couple things I want to piggyback on here that Andrew did say. Verse all, from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he, God, that gives you power to get wealth, that means he may establish his covenant, which he swore to their fathers. God giving you the power to get wealth is part of his covenant. And if you don't like that, then one sense, you don't like a portion of his covenant that God has made with your our forefathers, Abraham. You know, some people get offended that I talk about a lot about Abraham. Well, Paul says if we are of Christ, then we are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the covenant. That's Galatians 3.29. So if Paul says that if we are Christ and we are heirs of Abraham's covenant, then I don't have any problem talking about Abraham. My faith is not in Abraham. My faith is in the word of God that says I, have, I can have faith just like Abraham. And God has made a covenant, and God wants to establish his covenant. Now it's not just about finances, we're not talking about the gospel of uh, prosperity, but at the same point in time, we are not eliminating prosperity. Prosperity, the word prosperity is in the Greek word when the Greek word for salvation and the the Hebrew word for salvation, just by definition, the word means wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, and it's a matter of other. Just admissions. Our salvation includes it's an all-package deal that includes prosperity. We're not serving the God of mammoth. No money is serving us. And we are being stewards of that. We need finances to do things in the kingdom of God. At the same point in time, Andrew brings out in this last paragraph, he says, Since God doesn't have money directly, he says it to you through people. God impresses other people, and the people will be involved in getting you his supply. Through this ministry, we're now in our seventh year, and in seven years, God has impressed on people to bring in over a quarter million dollars. Not all in one time. That's over seven years. <coughs> that's actually a little small here in America for a church, but it's actually a little large for a church our size. We're, we're privileged to have that much money. I am not a full-time pastor. I don't I get paid just a little bit. Sherry and I have jobs in order to do what we do. You know, less than 1% of the people who follow our ministry actually support our ministry financially. That's actually a sad commentary. You know, uh, the book of Philippians, how I many of you love the book of Philippians? But the book of Philippians, Paul talks about how nobody supported him except for the Philippian church. Even when he was in other churches, those churches didn't support him financially, only the Philippian church supported him. It's a good commentary for the Philippian Church. It's a bad commentary for other churches who do not support him and so and, and, and so I'm not going to go into all that right now, but at the same point in time, I'm thankful who the people who are supporting us. Probably, like I said, about only about one percent of the the people who, that, we, that we that follow our ministry on a regular basis support us. That's actually a sad commentary on their part. I'm not saying that to implore you to give to us. I encourage you to to be obedient to the Word of God in that, and we thank you for your tithes and your offerings. You know, but I know that God's going to press people and put on the heart. We would not be able to have these live streams unless we had that one percent of people who bring in about a third of the money that we really need to run this ministry. About a third of that's coming through right now, but we're thankful for that third because if that third did not bring support us financially, we would not be having these live streams. We would not be doing this ministry as we're doing it. And so, well, we're thankful for that. God has impressed people on our hearts to, to support us on a regular basis, and we're thankful for that. God didn't do it, but God, God has a kingdom, and God has impressed people on our hearts to support us, you know, even on our business. <coughs> Excuse me, back in 2000, uh, I forget what year it was, I think it was around 2009, 2008, I think it was just before 2009, so I think it was 2008, I had an accounting business, and there was a time that <coughs> I used my authority. And I said, phone, I want you to ring and bring me business. And there was a, a week in there that the phone rained 80 times in one week. And I commanded that phone to to give me business. Finally, I got so much business in that one week that I had the, the phone just kept ringing. And I finally just told that ring, Rain, phone, shut up. And it did. And it never rained again. So I don't know if I made a mistake there. But, you know, even in our own business, we have an apostille and notary business. uh, And so I'm not gonna go into all the details to explain what apostille is, but we serve uh, people in all 50 states in the US getting their documents legalized so they can use them in other countries. And so we have a a very uh, good business. It's still in the early stages of the business, but it's growing. And I mean, we have some slow days and we have some busy days. Last Monday, it seems like Monday's are our busiest day, uh, Sherry and I were, but the phone was reading off the hook. We're both answering the phones. We couldn't get to the phone. We actually lost a lot of phones, Carl, could we just couldn't handle them all. But God was bringing us business so that, we, again, we could do this ministry and we could do everything we we're doing. God impressed people on their hearts to, to and God gives us the power to get this business up and running so we can have business so that we can do this ministry. These This business is in existence to replace the. The 99% who are not supporting us. And so, but God, but that's not, not, you know, as much as that can be a sad commentary to the 99% of the people who are not supporting us, God is impressing those, even through business, to support us. And and what, it goes right back with it first, that God has given us the power to get wealth. Are we wealthy? Well, we don't have millions of dollars, okay? Uh, but we are content. We are expecting more, we're, we're thankful for more, we're believing for more. By the same point in time, if we <coughs> if we have a covenant relationship with God, and that covenant relationship with God says that God has given us power to get wealth, no matter what we lose, no matter what we have, if we have the source, who is God, to give us the power to get wealth, then yes, by that means we're wealthy. Because this well called the covenant of God, will never run dry. No matter what the economy, no matter what country, no matter where we are, God's covenant will never run dry. And so, yes, one sense God doesn't have a currency in heaven, but I am part of the economy of God. And God says, my God shall meet my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God, and the covenant relationship I have with my God, says that my God gives me the power to get well. Now, going, let's take this authority and power that we've been talking about already in this lesson. With great power comes great responsibility. That's called stewardship. Everything I have, 100% of it, not just the tithe, but all 100% of it, I need to be a good steward of that and my time. And that's why I'm going to be talking about a little bit later on in this year. We have a whole Bible study on, on financial stewardship. It's not a popular subject with some people. Some people don't like talking about finances. No. The Bible talks a lot about finances. <coughs> Let me just make one more, one more point. Jesus talked more about finances than he did about faith. Because he knows that we need it. He knows that's part of this world. It's part of the thing that we are involved with. It's not a problem to have money, you just don't want money to have you. You know that you can lust for money, whether you're poor or rich. Do you know that you can covet money, whether you're poor or rich? If you don't have money, you can be coveting it. If you do have money, you can still be coveting it. It's not about being rich and poor. It's about doing what God has called us to do, and God has given us power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant. There. Why do we need money? so we can establish this government. There are things that we need to do. And those things cost money. And so, even those, you know, the religious leaders came to disciples, came to Jesus, asking him how they're going to pay taxes. or Jesus? Some people think Jesus didn't have money. I disagree with that. And I can bring that out in Scripture. But at the same point in time, he just had Peter go fishing. And the first, coin, the first fish he caught, there was a coin in his mouth. To pay, fish, to pay his taxes. God doesn't have uh, currency, but he has the power to get wealth. And so, uh, he doesn't have money growing on trees. At the same point in time, he, he's got a kingdom of people that he can press on your heart to come and give you the finances you need to do what God has called you to do. Okay? And I I, I go a lot of different levels with that and tangents. But anyway.
1: And you know, there's a l- again so many scriptures to be able to to share and and you know finances whether it be tithing or the idea of wealth for a believer can really step on some toes and it's here God's heart on that he wants to bless his children his covenant is for us to be blessed but we aren't to hold on to that blessing. We are, as Abraham's seed, blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Along with that, might be paying tied to the local church or to a ministry that is blessing you. Uh, you know, there's so many stories that we can share once um, we understood about Believer's Authority, about the idea of wealth as how God has it for his children. Uh, you know I believe it was last week when Dave or maybe it was Andrew, I think no, I think it was Dave shared about the the widow who basically had nothing and the prophet came came to her house and basically turned things around by saying, "Hey, God told me to come to you." And and she only had a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour to make the last meal for her son. And the prophet was like, No, feed me first. And and then, basically, my words see what God's going to do. Once she fed him, he then instructed her take all the empty uh, containers you have in your house, go to your neighbors, ask for some oil. That oil, she was, I mean, it didn't run out. She was able to to feed her and her son and the, the the prophet by either selling it or you you know using it to make uh, food with it and you know in that year of drought or, or that period of time when she was in need that did not run out. God took what was in her hand to give her wealth to be able to survive to provide for her household, her and her son to to you know feed the the prophet. You know one of one of God's anointed, and that's just one story of God's provision. You know, Dave shared about how you know Peter and Jesus needed to pay taxes, and they didn't. They didn't know how to have you know uh, Peter didn't you know have the money in, in in his wallet, but Jesus instructed him. You know, go go catch a fish, and that that coin will pay taxes. You know, there's times if Peter, a fisherman, worked and toiled, caught nothing. Yet when Jesus instructed him, go launch out into the deep, casting it on the other side. Peter, using the work of his own hands that that God had gifted him in, uh, by trusting in God, in Jesus' word, nevertheless, master, at thine word, I will go out and do it again. We've toiled all night, but because you said it, I'm going to go do it. And he got the greatest catch of his lifetime. Uh, for him and his his coworkers, for his family, and that's just stories from the Bible. You know, Dave and I have been on a couple of mission trips, and you know how Andrew and Dave were sharing about how God's going to put it in in people's hearts. Uh, it when you know you have a need, you know, uh, through the Bible College, we were going on on mission trips, and uh, this one couple who had. From the Bible College, who had supported us in our ministry from the beginning, uh, I called up one day and said, "You know, hey, hey, how much more do you need for your trip?" And we were going to give this much, but you know, how much do you need? And so we, you know, shared how much the bottom line that you know we what we still needed, and they're like, "Okay," and they changed the amount that they had uh, planned on giving and paid uh, for the rest of, of what we needed and god put it on their heart to do that we were able to then go on the mission trip which actually turned out to be uh, a spiritual battle um for the director and some of the students and we were needed on that trip god knew that in advance we did not know that our director of the school at that time didn't know that uh but god did and he knew that we needed to be there and hold up Uh, the director going going through this uh, thing and and that's just one of many stories Uh, there's a a couple who who um, got involved in Andrew's ministry and now they have their own ministry but they're from another country and when they came to America to go to the Bible College they because of the green card status they were students they weren't allowed to just go out and get a job. And so the, the husband got the revelation that God was gonna bless the work of his hands, that God had uh, given him the ability, to, the power to get wealth. And so he, he turned uh, things into money, just laying around the house, uh, seeing someone you know, put out some furniture for free on the sidewalk. He would turn around take it home clean it up you know whatever the object might be as a way to get money to feed his family and for them to to live in america without working i mean just different things like that we've shared a testimony of a friend who had uh medical bills that were just enormous and she's like god we don't have the money um but A hobby that I have God is making jewelry and God put it in her heart sell your jewelry and she paid for all of her medical bills just by something that she had on hand that she was able to do God gave her that ability that power to get wealth to to pay for these bills I mean the stories are, are tremendous you know even in Psalm 90 God talks about establishing the work of our hands but in the beginning of the verse he says let the beauty of our God be upon you and one time Dave and I had a Bible study someone had a question what does that mean and we had never taught on that before it never occurred to us but as Dave and I studied it out and we we were able to Speak on it and to teach what the beauty of the Lord meant to be honest to establish the work of our hands Dave and I got a major revelation on that and how God uh, Even in De- Deuteronomy when it talks about the blessings um, of being a child of God in the, in the covenant that he has with his people if, we've, if you follow him Even there it talks about God giving you the work of your hands and blessing the work of your hands. It's not us sitting back as couch potatoes saying, okay, God, you know, give me money. Uh, God saying, hey, I gave you the strength and the ability, the imagination, the the power to get wealth. I placed that on the inside of you, my kingdom on the inside of you for you to go out and, and do my work. You know another story, which you might think is an odd, off-topic one. It actually goes in Andrew's fear of God teaching, but I believe that it goes along with this. There's a gentleman uh, who, uh, Paul Milligan, who Andrew has had and is part of his ministry as the CEO, CFO. Ministry used, used to be. Oh. Uh, I forget his title. I think he might have retired now, uh, but. He used to work for a company, he was under a, a, a gentleman, um, and whenever Paul would have an idea or something that that improved the, the, the job, um, his, his boss, higher than them, would always take the credit. He got raises, he got bonuses, all because of Paul's ideas. Paul didn't complain. He respected and honored his boss, even though it could have been his right to say, "Wait a minute! I'm the one who came up with the ideas. I'm, I'm the one that should be getting the bonuses, uh, and the, and the raises, and the promotions." But no, God placed in his heart, "No, Paul, I want you to honor and respect this man as honor and worship unto me." And so Paul humbled himself. He honored his boss. And it, I think it was within three years, uh, the, the bosses higher than his boss came to Paul and said, hey, wasn't this your idea and not his? And you all, well, yeah, it was. Well, what about this? Oh, that was mine too. And they, they promoted Paul and were blessed and honored that a man with such integrity Would hold his tongue and be respectful even though it it was his right and See it was just like Joseph in the Bible in the Old Testament Everything was stripped away from Joseph Uh, His brothers tormented him. He went through a lot thrown in prison for something. He didn't do that. He was accused of yet God promoted Joseph into being the, the second highest uh, authority in the land under pharaoh that was another way of god giving joseph or paul in his own story the ability to get wealth god honored that um honored that they feared god above all and they respected uh, authority where, where they worked
0: Well, Sherry's been talking a lot about the work of your hands. Well, that's the uh, the title of the next section here, the work of your hands. So we're going to read that, and then i got some comments to say about that.
1: Many people are ignorant of this truth. Some of them pray, God, if you're God, you can do anything. Put money in my wallet. Then they open up their wallet, and then there's no more money in there than before. They say, well, God isn't faithful. The word doesn't work. It's just not true. Then they start blaming God out of their ignorance. God isn't going to create money and put it in your wallet. God gave you power to get wealth, so you must learn to use your authority to release that power. In order to see God's provision for you manifest, you must cooperate with the spiritual laws governing prosperity. And Andrew goes on to to recommend his teachings, financial stewardship, blessings and miracles, and the power of partnership. God has promised to bless all the work of your hands. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in all that thou settest thine hand unto. The Lord shall bless all the work of thine hand. Deuteronomy 28, 8 and 12. However, if you aren't setting your hands to something, God doesn't have anything to bless. You can't just sit at home doing nothing and expect the Lord to prosper you. It doesn't work that way. You aren't going to see God begin to prosper you if you aren't working. In fact, the Word says, This we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 2 Thessalonians
0: 3.10 Now, Sherry I already quoted it. <clears throat> I, turned, I turned in my Bible from, to Psalm 90, verse 17. And she had already quoted it, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us, Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, and it also says, uh, "I'm going to turn to an old-fashioned way here in Ephesians. Real quick, let me find it. But Ephesians, I think it's chapter four, verse twenty-eight. Let him who stru- stole still no longer, but rather to him labor, working with his hands." what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. And so, there's a couple of different things here. You know, God wants us to work with a hand. We're not supposed to be passive, lazy, you know. That's not what we're talking about. You know, some people who preach prosperity teach it in that way. We're not teaching that. We're talking about we need to be busy with a hands. I don't think we need to be busy in the sense that we're stressed out, burnout, working five, ten jobs, you know, just to make ends meet. That's not what we're talking about either. That's an extreme in another direction. And I understand some people might be in a situation like that, but I believe there's a better way. And I don't have time to tackle all those thoughts I just opened the door to. But it says, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. There's nothing that God does that's not beautiful. And there's nothing that God touches doesn't become beautified. God, Everything God touches becomes beautified. And when he establishes the work of our hands, the things that we touch become beautified. In Ephesians, he's talking about let him live still, still no more, but let him work with his hand that he might give to those needs. We, we work with our hands not just to meet our needs. We're prosperous not just to meet our needs. We're prosperous, as, as even Sherry quoted earlier from Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. We are blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so, it's not just about us four no more. It's about us being blessed. We're supposed to be the light of the world. with we'll salt solve the earth. You know, we also get a lot of people on Facebook through different things. People just asking us for money. We're also not a doorbell for people. <clears throat> and if you ask for money on, and, and they have the audacity to ask for money in the middle of our teachings, you know, I understand some people might be in real need, but I also know there's a lot of scams out there. If I don't know you, I'm not going to support you. And if you you know, if you have the audacity to ask for money in the middle of our teachings, I'm going to delete that request, and I'm, I'm not going to give you money that way. What I'm going to do as a pastor teacher, I'm going to teach you how to get get money, if you will. First of all, you need to work, and then second of all, you need to trust God. I am not your source, okay? And God's not going to have money just come in the hand out of the sky at the same point in time. Yes, we did teach that, that God will put it on people's hearts to 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 bring money to you. But I do know that if I don't know you in one sense, especially in this type of format. You know, uh, there's so many scriptures that ring in my head. I'm trying, trying to get this in as concise as possible. But, you know, I think it would do more damage than good to some of you to give you money I don't even know you. Rather than to teach you to trust God, teach you to rely on God, teach you to get a job and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe you got to take the widow's oil and multiply it to pay off your debts. Maybe you need to go fishing. Maybe you need to do something with the work of your hands, make some jewelry, make something... Maybe there's something that you can be doing, but but God will bless the work of your hands. Maybe God needs to take the little boy's lunch and multiply it, to feed the multitudes. We have a God who does miracles. Yes, he doesn't have money, but he can do a miracle. And, you know, there's been many miracles where God did stuff for us financially. We can tell you... We can spend all day talking about how God has supplied our needs over and over and over and over again. And uh, sometimes we didn't know how it was going to work out, but we do know that God is faithful. He is faithful to his covenant, he's faithful to his word, and we're going to trust God. We're not going to beg. We're not going to beg people, and we're not going to beg God. That's not, how, that's not faith. Okay? We're not beggars, we're believers. And we believe and we trust God. We just shall live by his faith. And God will bless. He says, I I know I closed it, but he says, let him establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. He said it twice. He repeated himself. And either I'm going to trust God to establish the work of my hands or I'm not. Jeremiah 17 compares a cursed man with a blessed man. The cursed man trusts his own <coughs> flesh for his strength. Where well, the blessed man trusts God, even in the year of drought. Even while it's a drought for everybody, the blessed man's going to trust God. He says his leaves will always be green, even in the year of drought. We can trust God. We can, he's our supplier, He's our provider, He's our El Shaddai, He's our helper. And we can trust God. We don't have to beg people. We're not beggars. We're the believers. We're not poor as the church mouth. We are blessed. And we are blessed to be a blessing. We have a covenant relationship with God. And we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the people of God. And God will give you wisdom will give you power, will give you a strategy, or he'll bring someone. Even if he has to bring the ravens, like Elijah, to bring you food and provision, he will bring, he will command the ravens to bring you food. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you need, your father will provide, because your heavenly father knows that you need these. If you read Matthew and you read of that story, that I just Talked about Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God. He says, don't even think about. Don't even consider worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. God is your Father, but seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things that you need will be added to you. Church, do we, we just, the just lives by his faith. We trust, we believe God at His word. He's given us the power to get wealth that he may establish His covenant. And we need to be busy. We need to work with our hands. We need to do something. Okay, we need to we need to not play it safe and be so tethered to the dock that we're not going somewhere. We need to move forward and allow God to direct our ship to its desired haven. You know, there's a
1: again so many things to piggyback on but you know this whole this whole study all of Andrew's study even all of our teachings is all based on who we are in Christ what Christ has done for us and you know in, in the believer's authority we are we are children of God we have some mandates by God by Christ for what we are to do, we are to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. I mean, it, it's it's not a if you feel like a thing. He tells us what to do. You know, Dave and I, even before we got married, our hearts were for ministry. Um, I can't. I mean, David, too or however young he was, was preaching to his teddy bears and stuffed animals and toys. You know, God, God called both of us to be into ministry. It does take finances to be in ministry, and we appreciate all of those who have given or partnered with us. I'm, I'm not uh, downplaying that at all. But God has also told Dave and I to work with our hands, not just sit back and rely on others to. Uh, provide for us to be in ministry but for us to work with our hands so that we can be in a place where we can be in ministry and there was a time when uh, around the time we started our ministry um, we need we both needed to work uh, we it, it just you, you need to, to work to pay the bills to but you know, food on the table, and and yes, we were trusting God, but in our hearts, we knew Dave was to be in full-time ministry. We knew that I was to join him, to partner with him as his partner in the ministry, yet at the time, we both needed to work, and there was a season where Dave had a job. We were very thankful for it, but it wasn't... Dave or I, or both of us, being in full-time ministry. I complained. I would come home complaining about my job. Dave never complained. He, he says he's, he did. I do not remember once him complaining. And when I would come to him, heartsick over my own complaining and attitude, he would explain that he had a good attitude about his job, even though he didn't like it. Because he knew it was a stepping stone to get him to where God wanted him to be able to be in full time ministry, and so he blessed his employer. He he worked. He was um, very faithful uh, in all that he did. He 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 blessed uh, his boss in that company by doing a great job, and. God used that as a platform, an avenue, for him to be able to be into full-time ministry. And, you know, it could be a season that any of us are in where we might need to work hard. We might need to provide for our families and and work extra hours or, or two jobs or whatever it might be. But, you know, our attitude has a lot to do with it. When I was able to change my attitude and realize that, I was a blessing at my job to the people I worked for, uh, to my caregiving clients, to my, my bosses in the office. Uh, God really blessed the work of my hands. Uh, I was given uh, favor. I was given hours when other people weren't getting many hours. You know, as a caregiver, you, you didn't, uh, you just didn't get full-time hours. That is just how it was and I was given given a lot of hours. Um, I had such favor with my job that sometimes they would take me off shifts to go to a a different shift in the middle of my shift because they needed a caregiver to put out some fires at this other client's, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, There was one time a client and his daughter, both were clients, for my caregiving company and the daughter passed away unexpectedly and the dad was grieving. Uh, no one expected, uh, her to her to die. So, so young, even though uh, she had some health issues and my boss called me in the middle of my shift and said, look, this is what happened. We needed to go over there because they need a caregiver who is faithful, who is compassionate and who can be there and and help them out and you know it, it wasn't fair to the client I was on shift with but they needed a caregiver they could trust to be able to go do that and they could put me on any client any shift give me the hours that uh, Dave and I were praying for because I I I was faithful in the work of my hands and God blessed me in that area and you know we are to we, we are to be a blessing, not just to be blessed, to be a blessing. And that is, it, I mean, we've been talking about finances and, and wealth, and sometimes that is taking what God's given us as far as our abilities and giftings, whether it be Dave with accounting in his job, whether it was me with my care lead, and God used it. I mean, there were times when Dave had prospective clients who needed his services desperately, but they could not afford his services. And Dave would work with him and said, look, if, if, uh, if I can get you going at least with uh, cookbooks or whatever it was, I'll teach you how to do it. So that if, if you can just, you know, uh, bear with me so I can get you going, get you started, get you established, I'll teach you so that it'll be better for you financially. That could have hurt Dave's business because he's basically given away his his smarts, his resources, his training for free. But because he had a heart to bless, uh, that really blessed a lot of his clients that he was willing to work with them and and do that for for him. You know, it's there were times when God put it on our heart and this isn't this isn't to boast on us. It's just examples of God putting it on someone's uh, heart to to give financially, we had students at the Bible college who couldn't pay their tuition. And we would go to the director and say, Hey, uh, this person, this student is on our heart. Can we add this to their tuition and and pay for it for this month? Um, You know, who you don't have to tell us whoever the student is that's most in need to pay for their, their classes. You know, here, put this towards their tuition. Uh, you know, there's different ways that that us as children of God as blessings can be a blessing to somebody else.
0: Let me just add to that. You know, maybe you don't have a maybe you can't buy a job. I mean it was a seasonal of five years. I couldn't buy a job. I tried everything from McDonald's to Taco Bell to things I wasn't even uh, qualified for to obviously the things I were qualified. I put I put so many applications in, I put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications out there. I couldn't even get an interview. And maybe you're in a situation where you can't. You know, someone says you can get a job. Now, right now in in America, I don't know where it is with you, or at least here in California, there's more jobs. There's so many jobs available. We actually went, uh, we had some missionary friends in town yesterday. and we met at a Denny's, and the Denny's had to close at 3 in the afternoon because they didn't have enough employees, you know. And we don't normally go to Denny's, but we, we went there, you know. So there's jobs available right now, but... The point I'm getting to... Actually, I've lost my point. Uh, what I'm going to say... I uh, Remember, it's coming back. You can volunteer your time. Because you're doing it unto the Lord. I'm not saying that one might be your first resort, but you can volunteer your time. You know, again, this, uh, when I started my bookkeeping business back in 2013-ish and whatnot, and some clients couldn't afford me, I, I, I did some... Uh, one client, his finances for free... I said, "You can't afford me, but you can refer me. If I do a good job for you, will you tell your business associates what I've done for you, and hopefully, I'll get the job from them?" And I did. And so I don't, you know, I felt like God gave me the the, the wisdom, the power to do that. And then there was a time a couple years later when we were we had to pay a bill, an extra bill came on us that we weren't expecting, and out of the blue, this client that I had served for free for a couple years, a check came in the mail. He said, "I wish, I just want to give you a love offer, another thank you for what you did for me two years ago. That check came in at a time when we needed it for a special bill. God's awesome, you know. And so when sometimes, God will sometimes give you a strategy to to do things that just are just backwards. I mean, just and, 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 uh, to society. I want to read this uh, last section at least before we before we finish off here. We just have a little bit of time left." Um, Uh, Go get a job and kill.
1: God is into work. He's into you doing something productive. That's why welfare, as it's currently being practiced in our country, isn't a godly concept. I'm not saying that any person who's receiving welfare is ungodly. I'm not saying that God hates them or they're in sin. But I'm saying it isn't God's system. Anyone might need help on occasion. There's nothing wrong with you taking the help of other people or a government if you are in a situation where you temporarily temporarily need it. But to be a second, third, or fourth generation welfare recipient where you just sit at home and let the government pay you for doing nothing is an ungodly concept. If you're going to get into God's divine flow of provision, then you need to start doing some things to release that power and see this anointing Begin to generate the income you need. God has given you the power to get wealth, but you need to do something. You need to work. You need to set your hand to something productive. One of our partners worked as a CEO of a corporation. Then suddenly his company downsized and he was laid off. He started drawing unemployment and took that for a period of time. He wanted to work. So he put in resumes all over town, but this was during an economically challenging time, and he was overqualified. Therefore, no one was hiring. When he was a few weeks away from getting his house repossessed and losing everything, he came to me and asked, What do I do? I answered, Go get a job. He said, I'm trying. I continued, No, I mean go get a job until... There's nothing wrong with you believing for another CEO job or something similar. But until your better paying job comes in, get a job stocking shelves or flipping burgers. This guy was highly offended. I'm a CEO. I couldn't do something like that. Besides, I need more money than that. My house is about to be repossessed. He was something like $5,000 behind and hadn't worked in over a year. I told him. If you would have been stocking shelves or flipping burgers for the past year, you'd have had enough money to keep this house from being repossessed while repossessed, while you still sought the job you're believing for. There's nothing wrong with you not wanting to stay there, but you've got to do something. By doing nothing, you are abdicating your responsibility and keeping the blessing God wants to give you from manifesting. You can pray and pray and you might get a miracle that will tide you over to the next week or month. But then you'll have another crisis next month, and the month after that, and the month after that. You aren't going to see the supernatural flow of finances start manifesting in your life until you recognize God gave you power and authority to get wealth. You need to stand up and use that power and authority by doing something. Many people are waiting on their ship to come in, but but they've never sent one out. They're waiting on a crop to grow up, but they haven't sown any seeds. They're believing God for a great supply, but they haven't cooperated with his spiritual laws concerning prosperity. Remember, the word says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Luke six thirty eight. Are you using a tiny little thimble? throwing God five bucks here and there, thinking that you're really being generous when the truth is the tithe off your paycheck would be 200, 300, or $400? Are you tipping God and wondering, how come my finances aren't coming in? I'm praying and believing for prosperity. The Lord said he would give back to you with the same measure that you used. If you're using a thimble, then he's going to use a thimble to give back to you. If you need a bucket full of finances, it's going to take a long time for God to measure that back to you with the same measure you gave out. This is how the kingdom works. God doesn't give you money. He gives you the power to get money. Then there are things you must do to release that power. One of them is to set your hand to something. Stocking shelves or flipping burgers is better than getting welfare. Hey Andrew, I'm actually making money more money off of welfare than I could work in one of those jobs. The difference is... God can't bless welfare, but He can bless stocking shelves or flipping burgers. He could promote you to manager. While there, you could meet someone who could give you a promotion or even offer you another job. But when you're doing nothing, you're hindering the power of God from flowing in your life. It's not God who fails to answer our prayers. It's us who fail to take our authority and use it properly.
0: You know, I used to work at In-N-Out. I worked there for 10 years. Some of you know, a lot of you know what that is. Some of you from another country might not know what that is. But it's a pretty popular burger joint here in uh, uh, um, uh, Southern California. Cushionone you know and whatnot. You don't know how many times during those 10 years I was given a business card by some uh, business person because they saw how I worked. I mean, tons of times I got a, a job offers. You know, and I, because it's so busy, I, I wasn't able to really strike up a conversation with the, the customer about the job, and I just could just like, take the business card and, and call them back later. But I got, I mean, so many opportunities came because I saw my work ethic even in a burger joint, flipping burgers, you know. God, <coughs> there was a time when we moved to, from Wisconsin to Illinois for ministry purposes, and we, we... Knew what our budget is as far as we needed this much money coming in, and we expected me to bring in more money than her, and just because, uh, not because I'm I'm worth more. No, we just put more pressure on me to bring money in than her. That was the the the, the way we thought about it. But uh, she ended up getting a job first, and I I was still waiting for work and. Uh, it was a long story. I had a couple different testimonies with this, and I had applied for a lot, lot, lot of different places. One of the jobs I applied for was Hobby Lobby, uh, another retail store, Stock and Shells, and another Christian owned store, uh, Hobby Lobby. And anyone who knows Dave Green, he, he actually spoke at Caris uh, Bible College uh, this week. Uh, and so, he, uh, anyway, by the same point in time, I was uh, I applied for there and I at first I didn't get the job and finally back in the day when there were used to be jobs in the newspaper, I would I thought, I remember we were actually in our our bedroom floor, getting ready to call. I had highlights on jobs. I thought I would try. I knew I wasn't qualified for them, but I thought I would try. And I, we were praying for a favor. A guy would give me favor with these jobs. And I I remember reaching for the phone. I literally was reaching for the phone. Sherry was there, and I was reaching for the phone, and the phone rang. And it was Hobby Lobby. They first turned me down in person, but they called me for a job. I was getting ready to call for a job, and the job called me. As I was reaching for the phone to call one of these jobs. And they offered me a very low, it was at the very bottom. I said, it's not what I want, but I'll take it. And the second day my second day of work, I went there and I got promoted to management to so sec, my second day of work. You know, I took the job that was given to me. It's not what I wanted, it's not how much I wanted. Uh it is a job I originally applied for, but not in the position I applied for. I knew I was better than what they were offering me, but I took it and I got offered management job. Uh, and so and, and that was a very probably one of my most favorite uh, jobs I had in all the years I've worked uh, in retail and whatnot. But at the same point in time, uh, you know, God will bless the work of your hands. God, even if maybe you have to work for free as a volunteer, God will bless it. God can promote you. He's a, your promoter. He's your source. Trust Him. Do something rather than nothing. We had a season where we were on, on welfare, where we had to get food stamps. And uh, I knew the system... Uh, because, and they gave us way too many food stamps that we needed. We needed money. We didn't need that not much food, but we ended up stocking, we ended up, uh, uh, stocking it. We made our own little Joseph's storehouse and we got, uh, we had at least six months worth of food when we got off of food stamps. We told ourselves we're going to budget this food stamps and we're going to, we're going to get off. We're not going to, we're not going to ten- be dependent on welfare. Uh, we're going to use it for what we need. We got what we needed. Uh, when we got a job. We we got off of it. We still had six months of food left over of non perishables. Uh so that we didn't have to put that first money we got towards food. We could put it towards other things. We did have to buy milk and eggs and some perishables, but uh we, we were able to uh stock up on, on some <coughs> give me, canned goods and some non perishables. And but God supplied and it was it was, it was beautiful and and we had a very different christmas that year but we were able to have uh, have our best food for christmas because we had uh it was a totally different time of, of a christmas but god bless the work of our hands and god bless that time though uh and and, and god gives the power to get wealth and now we are in ministry now we have a business uh, i don't plan on doing this business long in the sense that i plan on going back into full-time ministry but maybe this business will grow where I can hire people to do their job. I can own the business, run the business, and and and, 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 and continue to do ministry. I don't know how that's all going to play out in the end. But I do know uh, that we God is blessing the work of our hands. God is blessing this ministry. God is blessing our business. God is blessing her job that she has. Uh, we're busy. We don't know how much time to add more to our plate. Uh, you know, sometimes we feel a little unsatisfied with our schedule and whatnot, but in the end, we are blessed, and we are blessed to be a blessing. And sometimes we also realize this, and I, I know we got to close it out, we're over time, but, uh, I also realize sometimes there's seasons. And sometimes a job is for a season. Maybe a job you don't like is for a season, or this or that, or volunteer with There's seasons. But I do know if I plant in this season. I will harvest in another season. Because that's how seed time and harvest works. You you plant in the spring and you harvest in the fall. Sometimes it's two seasons from now before you, you know, that one guy who gave me money when we needed it for a special bill. I had planted seed two years ahead and that seed harvested at a time that we needed it two years later. I didn't know that was going to happen, but God it met our needs. And so, uh, and And you
1: know, in that, that season and hear Andrew's heart, here ours, it's not wrong if you're on welfare or, uh, needing assistance, we're not condemning, Andrew's not condemning, God's not condemning what Andrew was sharing that it's not God's system. Yes. When, when we were, um, on food stamps, like Dave shared, it was just for a season and both Dave and I—not only did we try our best to get jobs, but we both had the attitude together that once we get jobs, once we're off food stamps, we are never going back. Yeah. We took that stand, and we even had uh, someone, a family member, uh, tell us that it, it would be—it's really hard to get off. And that just furthered our resolve. We said we are getting off and we are staying off and we took a stand. I mean, we just, uh uh-uh, it, I mean, it, no, uh uh-uh, we are not going back. And we've done better financially than ever before. But during that season when we were on food stamps, we would have been homeless if my grandma hadn't taken us in. We didn't have jobs. We couldn't afford to pay her rent, but. We took the time we had outside of looking for work, and we took on extra chores so she wouldn't have to. We cleaned up her backyard that needed to be cleaned up, you know, tore down an old chicken coop, uh, trimmed bushes and trees and and did stuff that the regular garden gardener wasn't uh, touching. You know we did what we could. Dave, who's a master organizer, actually reorganized my grandma's uh, garage that hadn't been touched since before my grandpa had passed away uh, just to bless my grandma for taking us in. Um, You know, whatever church we were at at the time, we did what we could. If they had a work party, a work day, or needed help in in with a ministry or different things, we were there. What can we do? You know, if we had to vacuum the church, clean the toilets, Uh, Pass out food for the food ministry, whatever it was. We were there encouraging and doing what we could We weren't able to give financially during that time, but we could give ourselves and um, You know, that's what you do when God has blessed you to be a blessing You bless in every which way Dave talked about being good stewards of anything that you have and uh, You know time is, is one of those
0: awesome. Well, we're out of time, and we'll pick it up here in Chapter 17 next week. Uh, I'm starting a brand-new teaching series this Sunday called The Essence of Redemption. I'm real excited about this, and uh, I'm not sure how many weeks we'll go with this. But uh, anyway, we're going to start this. It'll probably be at least three weeks, if not more. And so, anyway, I look forward to seeing you Sunday morning, and then we'll be back here again next Sunday night. So, anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.